Just a little quick warning at the top of the show, this episode does discuss depression. So if this is a trigger for you, either skip this one or reach out to Lifeline on 131114. Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today's guest is former AFL player Jamison Daniels. I had put everything into becoming an AFL footballer and in my mind that was my only option, all or nothing. No, thank you, honestly, I can't believe that you've come all the way from (laughs) Melbourne, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I just thought as you get older you think, well, experiences mean a lot more and and why not? I've got the opportunity to come and meet you guys and, and be here and come to Brisbane for the weekend and I'm fortunate to be in that position to be able to do that. So why not make the most of it? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and like such a – I just think in the last two years it's such a great way, like great perspective to have because we don't know when these exactly. <laughs> things end. Yeah, and that's right. You just go, okay, let's make the most of it. Yeah, we don't know when we're going to be able to jump on a plane again. So. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, Jamo. For people who don't know you, can you explain a little bit about your background, how you got into into footy and I guess your journey in elite sport? Yeah, so it's a funny one for me to think about, I guess. Um, first of all, I, when you reached out to me, I, I naturally went and had a listen to your podcast and, and the first thing that pops up was, I'm Libby Trickett and, and I speak to world-class athletes and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Wow, she's going to have to change her whole introduction just to speak to me because that's, uh, that's definitely not how I view myself. So mm. it's, um, yeah, I, I guess for me it was a, a small chapter of my life mm. um, and, and it's not how I define myself but I can see how, how now later in life that people in that position do and, and get bogged down and, and it can be something tough to get out of. So, yeah, for me when I was, I was younger, so... 15, I guess my, my journey started into trying to be an elite athlete mm. and I got cut from representative squads and didn't make the under-15s, which was the talent pathway that you, you need to make to, to be seen and, and to be drafted into the AFL. So from there at 15, I just thought, you know, this is really what I want to do. It, it sparked something in me and, and sometimes you have to get knocked down to, to realise that. 100%, yep. So that was, um, yeah, a great awakening and, and something that I just said from now on I'm going to put everything I can into trying to be an AFL footballer. So mm. I just thought I'm not going to give anyone any chance to, to knock me back next year and, and I did everything I could and, and was fortunate enough to, to make the under-16s and then the under-18s and from there um, we had a really good team around me and, and our under-18s was really successful and we won the premiership and, and I was fortunate enough to be drafted mm. to the Western Bulldogs from there. So that's where my journey began and made the trip down to the big city from the country and uh, and spent two years with the Western Bulldogs. And when you got selected, what did you imagine your footy career to be? Yeah, it's, it's funny and I reflect on it now and it's something that I had to work so hard like 99% of athletes do. There's, mm. there's only such a small percentage of people who are fortunate enough to be so talented and, and I know you know that journey of how hard you have to work and mm. I put everything into being drafted and to be honest, I didn't really think about what happens next. Yeah, right. And, and that was a big wake-up call for me because I got drafted and I was so happy just to be in the AFL and and I never thought of the the grind that had to – that was just the start of the journey. Yes. Um, because – The selection is the beginning. Exactly. That's yeah. right. So you, you get drafted and there's 45 other guys who are in the exact same spot mm. and it's a dog-eat-dog industry. You're competing against – you know, who become your best friends because 45 doesn't go into 22 on the weekend. Mm. Um, and so it's it's brutal. It's training every day to compete for your spot to try and fight to get onto that 22. Because it's interesting because, you know, as a very lay person who doesn't have a huge um, knowledge of AFL, you kind of – there's the superstars, right? There's the superstars of the sport that you see week in and week out. But yep. for the rest of the team, you know, the – the extra on top of the 22, yep. 
that you're just vying for it, like constantly trying to scramble for your role, for your place in the team, for your opportunity basically every week. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that's the the thing that gets missed in the public eye. Yeah. Um, and something, I guess, since writing my post, even people who are extremely close to me and my best friends, they didn't even, I guess, grasp that concept of, mm. yeah, you know, we just thought 10, 12 years ago you were an AFL player and, and it was the bright lights and, and, you know, you've just jumped from there to where you are now and and not the, the grind that's in between and the, I guess, the confusion and not knowing where you sit and everyone sees the, the 5% of mm. people who, you know, they, they can be comfortable, they can walk into the change rooms knowing that they're going to be playing that weekend, they're going to be picked mm. and that they've got some security. Yeah. And, and there's 95% of AFL footballers and, and athletes and sports people who don't have that security mm. and and it's you have to just really work hard and and you know injuries get in the way and life gets in the way and and then all of a sudden you're you're on your ass yeah <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah exactly and, right and uh and you start all over again because can you explain you started to touch on the your, your facebook post which will i i have a i have a couple of quotes that i wrote down because I, I just think it was such a powerful story and your life experience your lived experience but what was the thing that kind of finished that top-level career for you? I guess um, for me in those two years, I, I was really young and I've, I've heard you talk about if you knew what you knew now and, and had the mindset that you have now when you were swimming, um, things would be a lot different. Mm. And I think we all have that, not just in as athletes but in life. And, yeah, it's perspective, um, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. So I look now and, and I was really young. I was too young. And I had injuries. My body wasn't ready for the rigors of mm. of being an elite athlete, and and either was my mindset, to be honest. Um, so and you're living away from home, I yeah. assume, for the first time. Yep. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you think about it now, what I was doing, and for the first twelve months, I was living in Melbourne, and when I wasn't playing footy, I'd, I'd play footy on a Saturday and I'd drive home on a Saturday afternoon mm. two, two and a half hours just to get back to Shepparton and to see friends and family. And I was, while I was living in Melbourne, I, I wasn't present. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to get back home at every opportunity. If it was for a day trip, if it was for a night and that takes it out of you as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I guess injuries happen and every year there's, there has to be a turnover. We hear about the draft and, and, you know, every year there's on average maybe 60 to 80 players who get drafted, but we forget about who makes way for them. You do? Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, that's right. where do those spaces come from? Yeah, so, and unfortunately that comes from people who basically essentially get sacked. Yeah, Um, like you. Yeah, like me. And Mm -hmm. if you don't retire and the retirees are, again, they're in a, tiny spectrum of, of the, the footballing world that you're lucky enough to be able to go out on your own terms. So from every team each year, there'd, there'd be about five or six players who get that uncomfortable conversation um, and and a lot of us don't see it coming. Um, even though sometimes the writing's really clear on the wall, sometimes you're oblivious to what you don't want to come in. And, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Did you feel like you were oblivious? Did you feel like you sensed it or...? I I think I had an idea but um you don't want to think I about it. I didn't want to believe it. Yeah. Yeah, and and you you're always hoping you been I was a, an optimist and and thinking well maybe this conversation will go the way I want it to and mm. and if it does I'll do things, you know, and it just yeah, didn't work out that way as mm. it doesn't for so many people. And that's kind of where your um, Facebook post kind of starts. And I'm going to read, read you a little quote because I just, yeah, again, I just think it's so powerful. As I laid on the couch still in tears, a horrible feeling came over me. I had nothing, no job, no money, and lastly, no qualifications. I thought about the people I had been to school with. A lot of them were at least halfway, if not finished apprenticeships or degrees, and what felt like well on their way to having things figured out. Me, on the other hand, felt as though I'd just fallen off a cliff, ground zero, behind the eight ball. What was I going to do? I was embarrassed and ashamed. I had given it my all and failed. 
Can you tell me about that feeling? Because the sense of grief (laughs) is really palpable for me in that post and was something that really struck me as so enormous. That happens to so many athletes. Yeah. Yeah, it's – I've obviously had to reflect a lot on on what I wrote and I can vividly remember sitting on the couch and um, for hours I think I was just numb and, and staring at the wall and 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 crying and uh, thinking about what I'd lost and thinking mm. about football and and that's all I knew for so long and and felt like hours that that's what was in my mind, that mm. I'd lost football. And it wasn't for a long time until it hit me that don't worry about football, what about life? Um, and, yeah. and And what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, exactly um, right. And and it took a long time for, for that to sink in and, and for me to get to that stage. And So and not only are you dealing with the grief of losing – something that you've been passionate about and spent, you know, the last few, six, five, six years working on. But then it's that immediate realisation that what do I do now? Yeah, and that's, I guess, so many people, and I admire athletes and and people who make it to the elite level and yourself, and it takes so much sacrifice and and so much dedication to get to that level where when you do finish I guess you've got a little bit of a, a cushion to be able to then figure out what's next. Yeah. And I guess, unfortunately, that's not my story and, and not so many people's stories. And you don't have that cushion. It's, mm. yeah, I, I feel like shit, I've lost things, but you you also don't have time to, to dwell. And also I don't have money to pay for a roof over my head. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's I think that gets lost as well in, in elite sports people and, and I'm sure you've seen it so many times with um, people aspiring to be Olympians, mm. which um, would be even even harder again. So Well, and, and I think that's that for me, you know, from the outside looking in to AFL, you just assume that everyone, because you're a professional sport, exactly. everyone's on a really good pay packet. Yep. Um, you know, swimmers, not that we complain because, you know, we are very lucky most of the time, but, you know, compare us to, say, the Australian cricket team yep. and it's nothing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the stuff that we're paid is absolutely nothing on what they're paid. Yep. Um, and I think there's this societal perception that AFL is up there, NRL is the same. That's right. You just assume yeah. that you're fine. Exactly. You'll be fine. Exactly. And that's, like I said, a lot of really close friends of mine are, are exactly the same. And we presume things all the time about people and and, um, and I guess that's one and for just because you've been in that industry doesn't mean, you know, we see the top level. Mm. And, and yeah, you, you don't have time to, to dwell and, and um, yeah, that's really daunting that, all right, well, what's next? How am I going to keep a roof over my head? What am I going to do with my life? And, yeah, as, as much as you're hurting and going through things, um, I think that's where people can go into really dark places mm. because – um it's it's such a tough place when you're in in it to navigate and mm. find your way and what feels like clawing your way out mm. um, when yeah you feel like you're at the bottom of a pit and I can look back now and and that's why I'm so grateful that I can share what I've been through because it's like anything once you get to the other side it's easy to connect the dots but yes. when you're living in it yeah it's it's so hard to navigate and and know what's next and can I ask you what sort of what was the thing that prompted you to share your story so openly and vulnerably because it's not something that normally you know kind of what we see as a tough footy player you know big burly man like to share something so vulnerable and so raw um what was the what was the catalyst for you yeah I guess for me I'm fortunate that I'm in a really good place in my life and, and I'm comfortable with where I'm at and what I'm doing. And and it's through tragedy, unfortunately, that I've come out and, and um, wrote what I did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, I guess, 
really hurts is that it's taken such tragedy and mm. and um, Harley passed away and, and I don't know um, Harley as I, I said in my post but I'm a I'm a footy tragic and and his story when I read about what had happened mm. just hit a place um, that I just don't want and it and it you don't want people to be in that place mm. and and the fact that I have been and, and been able to come out the other side and and I just wanted to share with other people that might be going through something similar that there is a light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. and and I think what's get gets lost um, for people who are in that position they're so young it's you know from it can be from the age of 18 19 whether you're 25 26 mm. but they can't see what they have to give to the world yes and and they're in a moment of rock bottom yeah and deep pain deep pain and and they're doubting themselves and they're doubting what they've given their whole life to but mm. again I've, I've heard you talk about um having a high performance mindset mm. and and a lot of these people who are going through this do have that high performance mindset and that can be utilized in the real world i guess we can say yeah. in so many different ways and and that's what I want to be able to hopefully by telling my story is let them know that yeah, it might not be the avenue that you've always dreamed about and hoped for and wished for, but that mindset that everyone who gets close to being an elite athlete, mm. there's only, as I said, 1% of people who get there because they're talented. Yeah. Mostly it's through hard work, dedication, hours and hours of work, and that can be translated into the real world in so many great ways. Exactly. Uh, that's, I mean, you just, you articulate it so beautifully because that's exactly right. Like when we retire from sport, we're, uh, you know, in our 20s, maybe early 30s, maybe, but there's so much that we can contribute to the world. It's just understanding how we can transfer those amazing skills that we have as athletes into life after sport and but it also does take a bit of ego battering like yeah let's be honest yeah because um like for me I had my first office job at the age of 27 and I had no fucking clue what I was doing (laughs) and I had to ask like can I just go to the toilet like whenever I want like can I just go have my lunch break like at 27 and you know world champion olympic champion and I'm like so can I just go to the toilet now (laughs) exactly it's so embarrassing yeah and you you spoke so beautifully in your post about after you got delisted how you went and worked at mcdonald's and you had this real sense of embarrassment and shame around that yeah because it's it's a bruised ego like definitely you were an afl player and now yeah and that's it's your identity so your identity changes from people see me as an athlete Mm. as an afl footballer and I guess I spoke about coming from a small town and that's what people knew me as. Mm. And and you go from that to... So you um, feel like you're not on a pet... Like I, I'm sure you didn't put yourself on a pedestal, but people kind of lift you up and go, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and you go from that to being, um, you know, as you said, working in an office and, mm. or working at McDonald's. And and that, yeah, it does. It It's um, shame and embarrassment. They're, they're really hard emotions to to deal with and, yeah. and work through by yourself and and feeling that and working your way through that um can can be really tough and um but yeah there's there is more um on the other side and, and there is light at the end of the tunnel but you just have to suck it up so yeah so like on that like how how did you kind of take those steps yeah i I never knew, and that was something I struggled with as well. I never knew what was next or mm. what was coming, but I knew I had to do something. Mm. And I took the advice of of other people, and and I trusted that. And and but at the same time, I I had no idea what my life was going to be like. Mm. Um, for all I knew, I might have gone and worked at McDonald's and and been horrible at it. Um, and and even though I was told that, you know, there's management systems and, and processes and things that you can learn. I just had to put one foot in front of the other. And and that was working at McDonald's, which ended up for 
being for 18 months and and working through that and, and getting life experience and mm. and just doing something and, and having faith that the, the next opportunity would come. And, yeah, once you put yourself in that position, you just have to work through it. Yeah, it's like this weird combination, right, of like – putting yourself out there and trying something, even though it might not exactly be what you imagined. Like I never imagined working in a startup technology company (laughs) trying to sell (laughs) megaports um, (laughs) when I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Um, Like you you don't imagine that that's what is going to fit you long-term, but you just know that that's the thing that you – needed to do yeah yeah that's right and and that's what I struggled with I had no idea what I wanted to do and and it's funny I work in an industry now with um tradesmen and and a lot of them are my good mates and um they'd laugh at the thought of me picking up a hammer because I'd have no idea what to do (laughs) (laughs) so I guess for you for you what we see as typical guys is you know do you go and get an apprenticeship do you start something and a lot of those things I just couldn't see myself doing or mm. being and um yeah going to work in an office I, I didn't know how that would fit and but yeah I just I knew I had to do something and and that's the opportunity that, that came up because of the circumstances I was in it was through my host mum who was an amazing person and and that was the opportunity that um presented itself and and yeah it, it took a huge blow to the ego but mm. um yeah sometimes there's there's more to life and and you have to have a roof over your head and so I mean we touched on a little bit about how difficult an emotion like shame and embarrassment is how did you work through that because like that's they're, like they're big things for a young man to be dealing with yeah it's um it, it really I, is. I mean I can't imagine you guys like you and your mates sitting around and talking about it, feeling shame like no offense like no no Boys aren't that great <laughs> at doing that, great. that. Exactly. I think that's the that's the part that gets lost as well is it's – and it's not something I've, I've probably thought a lot about of, but I lost all of my friendships. Um, mm. So leaving school and going to play AFL in the city, I lost contact with everyone from school and they moved on with their lives and I was – grinding daily to try and do what I was doing and then when I was that's a reality of sport as well like I went through a really tumultuous time with my friends when I like first left school yeah and you're just singularly focused on this one thing that's right Yeah. yeah and it's you've just got you've got that laser focus and and then when I was delisted um it was really a similar thing I I not sure if I removed myself or, you know, they're still in that environment, so they're doing that. But things move and... Um, yeah, so a, you lose your footy friends as well. Yeah, that's yep. right. And it's it's a really lonely place. So when you talk about, you know, guys sitting around and talking about shame um, or embarrassment, it's definitely not something I would have done. Mm. But at the same time, you are alone. Yeah. Um, and, and You didn't have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's right. And so that's... That's another aspect that you you do feel so alone and and to answer your question, I'm not really sure how mm. I did it. I I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and mm. and wake wake up each day and know that I've got a shift to go to, mm. so I'll go and do that um, and just if, keep working through. Do you feel like having that structure though helped? Because I, I like that's one thing that I when I first retired and having to create my own routine. Like I feel like I'm I'm 37 now and I've only just sort of started to get <laughs> yeah. some idea of some semblance of routine that I feel comfortable in because for the majority of my life it was told to me. Yep, definitely. And, and that's something that I'm really grateful for of being in that AFL environment. It, it teaches you so many things. Being an elite athlete, you have structure, you have routine mm. and – and that's yeah and goals and, and that's something that um I've taken with me through my whole life and anyone who knows me and, and if you speak to anyone they'll say that I'm I'm crazy with my routines my yes. structure um how I do things mm. and um I know you've just finished Atomic Habits which oh, I'm reading so at good. the moment 
Yeah, and it's it's amazing. I'm only halfway through, but it's the, such a great book. It is, yeah, and and it's funny that how yeah we automatically do things in our life, and from a sporting background, it gets ingrained to you without you even knowing it. So, mm. um, yeah, routine uh, routine and, and structure is is huge, um, and and that's something that I've I've carried on yeah. through life, and and which is. Yeah, really, I think, got me through. Yeah, so you feel like that kind of helped you take those next steps yeah. more consistently. Yeah, definitely. It just, I guess if you have something that you know is there waiting um, that you have to do and you've got it, you've set something, then, mm. yeah, you've got – you do have choices not to do it, but you, you're more likely to do it if it's there. And, and Yeah, if the setup is there. That's right. The structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly right. Yeah, so. That's so interesting. I'm going to read you another, another quote from your, <laughs> your post. Um, this is kind of a long one, but <clears throat> I really, really yeah, liked this one. a long one. post, which is <laughs> <laughs> It was very good. We're going to link to it in the show notes because I can say that because I'm a very professional podcaster. Nice. <laughs> good job. Um, all right. Getting to this point, though, there have been some really dark days. At 31, looking back, is easy to do and how it has all come together and be grateful for every moment. But how do you get through the moments, the embarrassment, the fall, continuously thinking to yourself, this is not the way it was meant to be. Your mind is always ringing. Did I do enough? What if I did something different? Why am I here and not there? What if I kicked that goal, went to training earlier, watched more vision, ate differently? On top of that, you're reminded almost every time you take the field by someone on the opposition that you weren't quite good enough and it's something you carry with you forever. Do you feel like you're still carrying that with you? Yeah, I I do. And and I'm not sure, um, and, and you could probably help me out, I'm not sure as an athlete if you do ever shed that. It's, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit further down the track there. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's um, it's something that I guess we carry with us, and it's the what ifs, you know. What if this went differently? What if that went differently? Yeah, yep. and what's really blown my mind is um, my post hasn't just resonated with athletes, and I didn't, you know, when I at the time when I, I posted it, and and I wasn't going to, and and my partner read it, and she said, "You just have to." you have to put this out this could help people yes and, and when she when she said that to me i i thought well you know what i have to put all the other things aside and mm-hmm. we all have doubts and and i had them i thought people would get on there and think who are you to put this story out there you know, you'd get the trolls and people saying you're a dickhead just deleted harden up yeah exactly yep. and so i i had all of those doubts and i thought at maximum, a hundred people might read it, and and thousands yeah. and upon thousands of people. Yeah, and what's I guess um, is the reason why I'm you know happy to come and talk is to try and help people, and mm. and just in everyday life we we have those doubts and um, and we have those question marks, and it's not just athletes who have the what ifs. Yes, it's relationships it's work it's um yeah what could have been different in my life it's the what ifs and the if onlys yeah yeah exactly right and it's it's been amazing and and, um the response and and i'm so grateful for for the people who have reached out and parents and um who are worried about their kids going through similar things and and also you know people who have had different circumstances but feel the same things Yes. And, you know, uh, it's been amazing and, and people who I never could fathom it would have resonated with, but it has. And, and that goes from people who aspire and put years and years into being doctors mm. um, and being mothers, parents. And I guess we all have baggage mm. um, and we all have to carry that around and, and be okay with that. And, yeah. Um, and I guess I've got some... You know, I'm fortunate that I've got some really good practices in place and, um, I've, you know, read some really good books that have helped and I've had life experiences now that make me, you know, it's only natural to go through life and have a shit day or, mm. or, or feel shit about something. But the quicker um, we're able to, 
turn that around and put things into perspective yes. is is going to help and and everyone's going to have what if moments and but the quicker you can put that into perspective and yeah. and be grateful for what we've got and what we're doing and there's so many people in the world that are doing it a lot harder than we are yeah. and um you know I was listening to something just the other day and there's billions of people who don't have clean water. Yeah. Um, it's perspective, right? Exactly. And mm. it's it's such a big thing. And, and that's how do you teach someone perspective at 21? No. You have <laughs> um, to live. Yeah, you have to live a life. and. Yeah, that's right. So that's hopefully, and you're doing an amazing job of Thank you. in the mental health realm. And, and, um, and yeah, if, if my story can help one person, then um, I'm grateful for that. And well, it's touched thousands of people and, you know, the reason I came across it was because my sister-in-law, Georgie, actually sent it to me <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and I just it, – it, it's that it's that thing, right, where you have to be able to put that into perspective but the only way you can kind of do that is by going through it and there's no easy way to go through it but you have to go through it to get to the other side. But – I love how you said that you have some practices in place because I, I, I'm the same. Like I have foundations of my mental health. It's my mental health checklist that I go through and it's, yep. you know, I have to exercise every day. I don't know that we joked about <laughs> yeah. you, you booked in your exercise uh, yeah, this definitely. morning to try yeah. and get the, the energy out. And, you know, it's the same, same for me. Like you need to be able to have things that fill you up, that, you know, bring you down when you're feeling stressed or anxious or angry or frustrated or embarrassed or shamed or whatever it might be and to do that consistently and that's not just elite athletes that's everybody in every walk of life and it's not just people who are affected by mental illness it's just to make a more full life yeah that's more full of joy (laughs) definitely yeah and it's it's amazing as we get older that um we can put those pieces together and, and see how it fits in but but you just can't do that at 21. That's right. T- try telling a 21-year-old mm. that. They'll tell you to get stuffed. So. Mm. But that's why you're so powerful. As someone, you know, who has kids and, who, and and has been through mental illness myself, like to have strong men who have been through things, to talk about it openly is just so bloody cool because it, you will – like you will – impact the next generation of young men coming through to normalize those conversations to save someone who might be feeling really really lost and like you should never underestimate the power of what you've been able to do and I hope you're able to continue down that path I know that you're you know busy working and being great (laughs) (laughs) or everything that you do but you know I think that is something that you communicate and articulate so well and it's really powerful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that means a lot. And I it's um it's funny how I think that perceptions can be changed really quickly. Mm. Um and it's something that I guess I've ignored, as I said, I've ignored and, and hidden away that struggle mm. and that shame and embarrassment. It's something that you I'm someone who can, I guess, get dressed in the morning and go out and act as if I'm, you know, on top of the world. Yep. And a lot of guys do that. A lot of oh, girls do that. Absolutely. And through my roles, um, I've been a playing coach of football now since I was 23. So I guess as a leader, you don't want to look uh, – weak's not weak. the right – Yeah, you don't, don't. want to look weak yeah. and you don't want to look like – But that's what we've trained to, to do as an athlete. Like, oh, and in society in general. Like that's what social media is, right? It's that's like right. a highlight reel. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I haven't had Instagram for 10 years because mm. I, I, I hated that um, people could create this world that wasn't real. Yeah. And, and it's ironic because that's what I was doing in the real world. Yes, um, and so, yeah, as, as a leader, you don't want to come across weak or like that come across as though you're, you've had struggles and, and you're going through things. And now in my role, um, at work as a leader as well, people see the footballer go out, you go to battle the, the coach, the leader, um, and then the, the manager at work. Mm. And it's like, 
you must have everything figured out. You yeah. must be so strong. You must be so resolute in what you do and confident. And it was, I guess, when I opened up and, and posted what I did, people were like, shit, mm. is that if you're going through that yeah. and that's your reality, we had no idea. And, and I think that's we don't have to hide yes. um, and we don't have to um, – be someone or pretend or think that we've got everything figured out. Mm. And and I guess that's easy for me to say because I've done it for 31 years. But now that I've said what I've said and people have a bit of perspective, um, it's really changed conversations. Mm. And I was going to ask how what the response has been like, like not just from parents or from women or – I know Maggie Dent um, <laughs> reshared your post and she's very, like, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> like parenting it's, expert, she's I know, amazing. Yeah, and I had to obviously do a bit of research on Maggie Dent yeah. being a parent. <laughs> yeah, but, she's um, amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah it's, it's honestly blown my mind um, just, I guess, how many people have related mm. and, um, and apologies, I, I still am struggling to get back to everyone, but I, I'm doing my best and, and trying. But um, and I will get back to everyone because I'm, I'm so grateful that it has been able to impact so many people, and and hopefully for parents to be able to have those conversations with their kid, and and hopefully that's it can just start a conversation. Mm. And you know, for, how have your friends re- like responded? Like, were they yeah. like, oh, like, dude? Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was. It's funny. Um, it's yeah. I've I've got some really good, uh, mentors and, and people in my life, and um, and one of those came around to my house, and and he brought a few drinks. He just rocked up on the doorstep, and he's like, "Right, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's uh, obviously you've had a something, and mm. um, and yeah, a lot of them." had no idea Mm. and that was the really surprising thing to me because it's just my life. Mm. I I don't see it as anything that would relate to people or or help people Mm. and the it's I think it's just changed people who are close to me's perception and and um, but also like I just know through some of my experiences of like you know sharing you know around postnatal depression or all my experiences of depression it for me it makes me feel better because I'm like oh I'm not the only one yeah do you know what I mean like you go, I'm normal and then to be able to have those conversations with other people who are feeling that way as well I just feel less crazy and I feel less alone and I feel less isolated because when you are in that state you do you feel so isolated and so alone and like nobody knows or understands and nobody cares. 100% and that's that's been one of the the things that I'm so happy about is because you do you feel alone Mm. and you feel like you're the only one in the world who's feeling this way going through what you're going through and I've had a lot of ex- um, AFL players who were exactly in the same position, but it's I've had messages from guys who I went on to play against mm. at state league level, and it's funny I played against them and almost looked up to them because I knew they'd been on an AFL list. I'm like, this guy's so good yeah. and um, and so strong, and and then ten years later, I'm getting messages. I didn't know them. I just played against them and 10 years later I'm getting messages and they're like, hey, you might not remember we played against each other and thank you so much for your, your post because wow. that's exactly how I felt. And at the time I'm playing against these guys just thinking, you know, they're strong, they're doing this. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, and and I just wish I could teleport in time and finish that game of footy and walk over to those guys and go and have a beer and mm. and be able to have that conversation about how are you because we're going through the same shit at the moment. Yeah. Um, but – and I guess that's part of what I – you know, I'm not sure how or when or where, but if I could create something where people who are in this place can – come together and, mm. and talk and realise that they're not alone, mm. that would 
be amazing because once the door closes, I don't think there is enough mm. um, of, okay, this person's moved on, but where are they at? What are mm. they doing? And that can be footballers. It can be, um, yeah, people who are striving for degrees or um, striving for the Olympics, um, striving to make the Australian cricket mm. team. And I don't know how it all fits in or how it can work because those people will never speak up or those people, they don't want to admit or join a group or, or things like that. But It's um, the ego, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. right. Like, I'm okay. Like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm fine. Yeah. No. Yeah, be fine. Um, I don't need that. I remember watching um, – one of the reasons I started this podcast actually was because uh, there was a story a million years ago about Shane Webkey, um, the footballer. You may not know him because you're from Victoria. But yeah, probably. <laughs> exactly. From but a Shane, different bubble. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, Shane Webkey was this like amazing Queensland, Maroons, Broncos, uh, you know, being an NRL tragic, that's who I was. I remember him retiring and t- like kind of intimating that it was tough, like it wasn't an easy transition for him. Yep. And I just remember thinking, ah, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he doesn't know what's, what he's yep. talking about. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not going to happen to me. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's – you never do think. you. Mm. It's funny because in life it's natural to often at the end of the day – I was just reading a book recently and if you were if you looked at life like and this will sound probably really stupid but when you go and play golf you go home and you can be the worst golfer in the world but you'll go home and you'll think about all your good shots mm. and there might only be two but you'll you'll look at the good shots and that's what makes you want to go and play golf again yeah you don't think about the if you play 18 holes you don't think about the hundred bad shots that you had <laughs> otherwise you'd never pick up a golf club ever again and never yep. go and play again but it thinking about the good things is what makes you go back and in life sometimes we can get stuck in a rut where we only focus on the bad things that are mm. happening and not really thinking about the, the good things and I I listened to your podcast with Matthew Hayden last night. Oh, isn't he fabulous? <laughs> oh my god, it blew me away. Yeah, um, he the way he articulates things and his view on life and mm. what an amazing man um, he is. And there's so many positive things he spoke about around you, and yeah. he spoke about his conversation with Michael Clark. And yeah. if you're only ever going to look at what you're doing and your positives, those days are going to be limited. But yeah. if you look at the people around you. There's always going to be positives. Mm. And and getting back to retirement, we always think about the positives mm. and you always think best case scenario and I'm going to play 300 games and I'm going to win. <laughs> I'm going to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to play in premierships yep. and do this and do that and um, and I'm going to do this for the next 15 years and, mm. and then at the end of it, well, um, it'll all fall into place. Yeah. And when yeah, exactly right. It'll fall into place. Yeah, that's just work itself out. So when you're in when you're in that environment, that's what you're thinking, which you know is a really positive mindset to have. And and as, as athletes, you you have to be positive and you mm. have to strive for that best case scenario because if you don't, you won't put in the work necessary. Mm. But the problem with just looking at those positives is when that doesn't work out. Yeah, there's a there's a big cliff at the end of it. Unfortunately, yeah, there's a big cliff. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I have two more questions. I won't keep you too much longer, but I, I just have loved our conversation. Like I just think you are exactly what I am about and what I believe in and normalising those conversations and how much those little things will help people in their own lives is is massive. But two more questions to be really annoying to you. No, um, not at all. <laughs> I've only got a hotel room to go back to, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so... One of the questions that I like to ask everybody is what you're most proud of from your sporting career. Yeah, it's um, it's funny because, like I said, I don't view myself as an athlete. Mm. It, was a, it was a tiny, when you look at your life, and hopefully I'll be here till I'm 100, it's only two years out of 100. So, But you're but, also still playing. Yeah, that's right, mm. exactly. So um, there's there's been a few um, if I, if I reflect on my career and – one of them is making it mm. um, because, and again, at the time when it's over, you don't 
realise how significant yeah. and how hard it is just to make it. And How many people didn't even make it? Yeah, that's right. And, and now, you know, I've seen and been a part of Talent Pathways um, in Victoria and, and also in Queensland where I've seen how hard kids have worked and not made it mm. and how difficult that is. So at 21, you don't think that's going to be – you know, it's it's that significant. But at 31, I can see that, yeah, I'm really proud of, of just getting there and experiencing it and, and doing that. And I, I guess as a footballer, there's there's been a, a few other moments and, and also a coach. Um, as I said, I, I coached a team back um, home in the Goulburn Valley and, yeah, worked really hard and, and took over that team when they were rock bottom and, mm. and, um, and not winning games and, and went on over a three-year period to play finals and, and do that. So that's something I'm, I'm really proud of as well. And, and it's taken me years to get to that stage to be proud because mm. at, at the time, um, again, you think, well, yeah, we got to finals, but we didn't win the premiership. Yeah, and, and it's always what's next, what's, what's yeah. the next goal, what can we do better? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, um, I am. I, I can now look back and, and be proud of what mm. I've done, but again, in the moment, those things are so hard because you always want more. Yeah, and I'm. I'm you've constantly you've had <laughs> yeah an amazing career yourself, and and I'm sure it's no different. Mm. You always think of what's next, what's more. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I am. I can look look back and be proud. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, I'm going to finish with one final quote from you. I know I'm not alone in struggling with life after football and know that at any point things could have been very different for me and many others. So I ask, what more can we do for these young men and women who give everything to a sport or passion and find themselves filled with shame, embarrassment and no direction? RIP Harley. What can we do? Yeah, it's, it's um, I guess I, I ended on that because I, I'd want that conversation to happen mm. and and I want that question to be asked more and, mm. and not just for this to be something that, you know, there's something tragic that's, that's happened and we've had the conversation and September, October this year, there's going to be 80 more players who are in the same position. Exactly. Um, and that time comes and goes and, and we haven't done anything about mm. it. So, um, and not just football. I, I do want to help and I mean... You know, with work and things, I'm I'm in a position where I'm able to come and have these conversations. Yeah. And, and if that's what it is, having conversations, then then hopefully that does help. But to answer your question, I, I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I know more needs to be done. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I, I think more can be done from AFL clubs and the mm. AFL itself. One thing, which so can I just jump in because it, it for me, AFL is the gold star. Like yep. they are. The, the people that, you know, as a swimmer, I was like, if we can aspire to be like them. So it's amazing that you're saying that we can still do more and, and more does need to be done across the board. Yeah, definitely. And, and the AFL is a huge organisation and, and they do have things in place, no doubt. There's development coaches, there's the AFL Players Association. But but is it effective? Yeah, that's right, exactly. And, and more work needs to be done on how effective it is because mm. the thing is I, in brackets, was an AFL player, mm. didn't play an AFL game. So mm. when I finished being a part of the AFL Players Association or going to past player events, that I could never do that mm. because how do I walk into a room with past players mm. when I hadn't – I'm a nobody mm. and and and, and – because it's a hierarchy, right? Yeah, that's right. And and like I said, I, I have all the admiration and um, in the world for people who have made it and done what they've done because I know how much it takes. But also for me to walk into that room, I still and did feel like I don't belong. Mm. So there needs to be some sort of channel or something that says, yes, we're going to look after you. You mm. are a part of this. You have been a part of this. And and how can we help? And where are you at? Um, and it's different for everybody mm. because so like, there's people who 
don't have these question marks. They footy finishes and um, and things work out. They they do go to university. Mm. They do do things. And I know you've been through this with your husband Luke. Yes, and, and yeah. He's he's um, you know that story is true for him and, mm. and how amazing that is. And and that takes so much as well. But there are the ones that get lost lost along the way, and and we need to do more for them. Yeah. Oh, Jamo, that was just such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for flying all the way <laughs> from Victoria and being here with me. It's just, it's such an important conversation. And again, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart because people like you sharing your story and your experiences is going to help an unmeasurable amount of people. And yeah, yeah, I want to say you're brave for sharing your story, but I know that this was something that was right for you at this moment in time. Yeah. You were ready to share your story. And I just, yeah, I'm very grateful for that. And also I think keep doing it. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) I mean, obviously if you don't want to keep sharing it, that's fine. But I think you have an amazing story to tell and it will help a lot of people. So thank you. No, thank you. It's, it's amazing to hear you say that. And, And I'm, yeah, extremely grateful to you because I know for you, this was probably a little bit of a risk. You, yeah. <laughs> you speak to people who are living in the public eye and, and you know a lot of their story. Mm. You had no idea who I am, if I could speak, what my story is, and I'm sure that was, you know, you were probably just as anxious, me coming here, as I was coming to <laughs> Look, talk I, to you. you know, I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> exactly. So just did a meditation beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But thank you for taking that risk. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you taking that risk and for us to be able to have this conversation and hopefully that, that helps people. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. It was just, there was something about the way that he wrote that Facebook post that really resonated with me and obviously has resonated with, you know, numerous people around the country. It's something that was very raw and and obviously true to his experiences and I just am so passionate about sharing those sorts of conversations because... That's the real stuff, you know. That's the the real stuff that people are going through. It's the real feelings that we all go through at different times in our lives, whether it is to do with sport, whether it's to do with career or relationships or friendships or family. It's, It's stuff that can be really impactful to our mental health and I'm just so grateful that he was able to share so articulately his story and really start to normalise those conversations but really shine a light on how people are feeling around the country for lots of different reasons. So, um, yes, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to read Jemo's full post, uh, check it out in the show notes. Otherwise, like, subscribe, share, rate, review, please. That would be amazing. Uh, as always, check us out on at all that glitters pod uh, on Instagram and otherwise have a lovely week. I'll chat to you soon. And just a reminder, if this has been a a trigger for you and you're feeling like you're going through a difficult time, make sure you reach out and give Lifeline a call on 13 11 14. You are not alone.